We got to go to Mozambique, and what we got to see there and experience there was incredible. What God is doing there in the ministry there, I don't think I could say it correctly. I don't know. Alhambra? The way. The way in Portuguese, which I do not speak Portuguese, if you didn't know that. But we went on that trip, and since then, um, I've gotten to spend some time reading, support raising, spending time with Jesus, working out, um, and preparing for tonight. So get ready. Um, yeah. Now I know some of you are more holy than me, but life can be difficult, can it not? Yes, it can for me too. Life can be full of difficulties. I actually have some memes to help demonstrate that. One of the hardest ones in life is laundry for me. And I'm just like, God, stop giving me your toughest battles. You just have to fold your laundry. It is my, I moved a laundry around. I refuse to fold it. Sits in the basket. I move it on top of our dresser. I move it on top of our bed. And it just slowly dwindles down as I wear it. But my wife, Patricia, she actually has something else that's her least favorite thing in the world. Stop giving me your toughest battles. You're just ordering food at Taco Bell drive-thru. If y'all don't know, she is traumatized trying to order through the drive-thru. Like, it's, it's bad. It's like, it's hilarious, but it's bad. She just starts laughing and then crying. And like, if they get to the point where they're like, she's like, oh, can I get fries with that? They're like, a Sprite? It's like, it's over. And her and her mom both are like that. And it's, it is her toughest battle. I'm, I'm scared to one day when we have kids, I'm like, are they going to have to order through the drive-thru if I'm not there? <laughs> but we'll see. But life, life can actually be difficult. Those are jokes, obviously. But there's things in life that sometimes they hit us. And it's like, man, this, this is hard. But choosing to worship God or to be grateful in spite of the negative circumstances around us, it can be a struggle. It's a struggle to, to worship God when things are tough. It's something I am, I'm trying to get better at. I'm trying to actively say, no, I'm going to choose joy in life. The way Kent talked about it Salt a couple weeks ago at Journey Fellowship. I think the best way to do is to number off the people and the things that I'm grateful to God for. To actually stop and pray and say, God, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my family. And then going through everything. Thank you for the AC, which I said thank you for the AC in my truck, and it went out yesterday. But I can still be thankful for my truck. Thank you, Jesus. We can drive. I don't have to walk everywhere. But let me say this. Gratefulness keeps us close to God. Gratefulness keeps us close to God, whereas ingratitude or ungratefulness is the first step away from God. Gratefulness keeps us close to him, whereas ingratitude takes us away. So tonight, we'll pretty much be in Acts 16. So if you have a Bible, you're welcome to turn to it. I have, we have slides. Yeah. But this is the chapter where Paul and Silas, they get locked up in a Philippian jail but still they worship God in spite of their circumstances. They have gratitude towards God, even in a pretty hard, terrible moment. Now let me give some context. Paul and Silas and their team, they've come to Philippi, and Lydia, this, this woman who was a, a, a merchant, she's given her heart to Jesus, and her and her whole family have been baptized. I believe that the first Europeans converted to Christianity, as far as we're aware. It's incredible. And it's clear that God had a purpose in sending Paul and his team there. Hold on to that. But let me pray for us before we continue. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity for us to be together tonight. We love you, God. Would you speak to us through your word? We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Acts 16, starting in verse 16. Let me read it. It says, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. And this girl followed Paul and us, and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Don't y'all know, like, somebody's possessed by a demon, and they're calling you out, like, it's not honoring. We hold on to that. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. And then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. This girl is made whole. And these men are angry because the money they were going to get from her being demon-possessed is now gone. That's what we call selfishness. It's absolutely awful. And there's a reason God hates selfishness. But they're angry, and they made up some bogus charges against Paul and Silas and beat them in front of a crowd before throwing them in jail. I almost feel like they were trying to send a message. Don't come here and don't disrupt our business. We, we have what we want, and we don't want anything to change. Well, let me tell you, another message gets sent out to the people later on. But we're going to come back to that. Cool? Let me keep reading. It's picking up in verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that very took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Praise God. And now when he brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So good. I don't know about you guys, but if I've been beaten and thrown in jail, especially for something I did nothing wrong, this woman is healed. Like, mentally in the right place now, my natural reaction isn't going to sing and worship God. Right now, I know if it happened, I don't know if that's where I would go. I wish I could say that. In the spring semester, I had a lot of trouble sleeping 
at my house. It was probably about three nights a week. I got three hours or less, uh, sometimes zero. And those nights were not, not always the best. The best nights were when I had that happen. I was like, all right, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read. It's going to be great as best as I can get it. And Patricia would find me like in the morning worships playing and I'm reading and it's like, it's good. That's not what happened most of the time. <laughs> most of the time she wakes up and I'm sitting there just like gone out of my mind. Hair's not looking good. Like, and she's like, you didn't sleep at all, did you? I'm like, no. <laughs> and, but, but these men did. In spite of what they went through, in, in spite of the, the difficulty, the pain, the humiliation that they had gone through, they worshiped God. And we don't know what songs they were singing, whether it was a new hymn that the early church had written or something older like one of David's psalms but they worshiped God and they gave praise to him there in prison. One of my heroes, Mr. G. Campbell Morgan, which if you haven't read G. Campbell Morgan, you need, you need to go read G. Campbell Morgan. He has this to say. We have a couple of his books, yes. Um, has this to say about Paul and Silas' singing. It was not a song of deliverance that these men were singing, but the song of perfect content in bondage. That is the supreme marvel of the Christian consciousness and the Christian triumph. Any man can sing when the prison doors are open and he is set free. The Christian soul sings in prison. I think that Paul would probably have sung a solo had I been Silas. But I nevertheless see the glory and the grandeur of the spirit that rises superior to all the things of difficulty and limitation. Any man can sing when the prison doors are open. And he is set free. But the Christian soul sings in prison. That's good. I'm like, ooh. These men, they were able to praise God in spite of their circumstances. Regardless of the fact that they had been beaten, their freedom had been taken away, they knew they had fellowship with God, and nothing could take that away. Mr. Morgan continues. He says this, That is the supreme that is the supreme triumph of Christian experience. We cannot shut a Christian man or woman out from fellowship with God. And therefore, when such a one as Paul goes back again to prison presently, no longer in Philippi, but in Rome, and back again to the Roman prison a second time, in all his letters referring to his imprisonment, he never spoke of himself as a prisoner of Rome or of Nero or of an emperor. He was always the prisoner of Jesus Christ. And it's this consciousness of fellowship with God which creates the song. Reminds me of William Wallace in Braveheart. You can take away our lives, but you'll never take away our freedom. I can't quite yell that. Maybe Sam Pitt, he could shout that. I could see him like shouting that, the big red beard. But, but Paul knew who his Lord was. He knew him intimately. And it didn't matter what was happening. He was like, no, I'm going to sing and worship God. He wrote this later on in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise God. If you need confidence in something, you can have confidence in who God is. Paul had joy and gratitude towards God throughout his life. 
beaten and humiliated, imprisoned several times for serving God, he still clung to his fellowship with God and the love God had for him. Paul found a oneness with God and trusted him above all things. And Morgan says that the mightiest thing Paul, the mightiest work Paul ever did was while he was in prison. He wrote letters and they're, we've been reading them for the past 2,000 years and they've, they're incredible, influencing the church the way he has. So good. Another one of my heroes, Mr. Oswald Chambers. And if he has a devotional book that you need to read called My Utmost for His Highest. Now, if you're one of those people in the room, I kind of want to pick on somebody, but if you're Dryden and you're like, oh, I'm not too much of a reader, I have too short of an attention span, I have another meme for you. Because I'll give him your toughest battles. It's literally one page a day. Go get a copy of My Most First Highest. It's a page a day. It's free online. Every day I read it, I'm like, okay, that was good. Oh, man. It's a page a day, but it has nuggets of devotional gold that will be good for your heart. I have another, no. I don't have another meme. But Chambers wrote this bit that Paul seemed to understand. God is not concerned about our plans. He doesn't ask, do you want to go through this loss of a loved one, this difficulty or this defeat? No, he allows these things for his his own purpose. The things we are going through are either making us sweeter, better, and nobler men and women, or they are making us more critical and fault-finding and more insistent on our own way. The things that happen either make us evil or they make us more saintly depending entirely on our relationship with God and its level of intimacy. I'm going to repeat that a little bit. The things we are going through are are either making us sweeter, better, and nobler men and women, or they are making us more critical and fault-finding and more insistent on our own way. The things that happen either make us evil or they make us more saintly, depending entirely on our relationship with God and its level of intimacy. So good. The things Paul endured continually made him a better man of God. Rather than growing ungrateful towards him, he actually found gratitude towards God, even in the worst of circumstances. He grew more intimate to Christ, despite hardship and difficulty. He said, I'm not going to grow ungrateful and bitter towards God. I'm going to say, thank you, Lord. He even goes on to say he had a thorn in the flesh, and he praised God for it, even though he had prayed for it to be removed. not sure what that means, but he's a man of God. Again, ungratefulness is the first step away from God, but gratefulness keeps us close to him. Now, it might seem easy tonight for us to worship God here at Kaiapha. Like, it might be like, okay, Lord, I can, I can worship you. I can do this for the rest of my life. But it can get difficult when we go home and we're alone. Or we're out in public and someone says something and we're like, I don't know about that. Or we're going through life or even later, We've graduated from college, we've moved away, we're working in our jobs, and we just live in the monotony of life, it seems, through the ups and downs of life. Life can be challenging. It has its difficulties that come. We don't see them coming sometimes. But Oswald Chambers, again, has this to say. It's heavy, so everyone buckle up. Get ready. Daniel, you okay with this? Okay. When we are in our best spiritual mood, you would think we were the highest quality saints, But don't dare look at us when we're not in that mood. A true disciple 
is one who has his new name written all over him. Self-interest, pride, and self-sufficiency have been completely erased. Pride is the sin of making self our God. And some of us today do this, not like the Pharisee, but like the tax collector. For you to say, oh, I'm no saint, is acceptable by human standards of pride. But it is unconscious blasphemy against God. (laughs) You defy God to make you a saint, as if to say, I am too weak and hopeless and outside the reach of the atonement by the cross of Christ. Why aren't you a saint? It's either that you do not want to be a saint or that you do not believe that God can make you into one. You say it would be all right if God saved you and took you straight to heaven, and that is exactly what he will do. And not only do we make our home with him, but Jesus said of his father and himself, we will come to him and make our home with him. Put no conditions on your life. Let Jesus be everything to you, and he will take you home with him, not only for a day, but for an eternity. It's good. You need to read my utmost first highest. So sweet. Uh, there's a podcast called 365 Christian Men. It's like five to seven minutes each, like each, and there's one for each day. And I listened to the one on Oswald Chambers, and I'm driving my truck. I'm driving. I can't remember where I was going. And he talks, they talk about this man who's a doctor during World War One or two, I can't remember, it, but in Egypt. And every, all the civilians are being evacuated, and he's like, no, I'm going to stay here with my men um, in Egypt. <laughs> yeah, he's got back. And he's there, and he ends up passing away, but he's given the mil- a military funeral of a general, and it was just beautiful. I'm like driving my car, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Um, I don't cry that often, but I, I did then. Now, maybe you're not quite there yet, where, like Paul, where you could sing a heart song of worship to God when you're persecuted, but there are some steps you can take in life now to be closer to Christ, to grow more intimate with him. Let me say this, when you don't want to pray or worship, maybe that's the time to do it. Or maybe it's just getting out of bed and cleaning your room, folding your laundry before spending quality time with him and saying, God, I want you to be pleased with the way I live my life. God desires to be with us, to draw close to us, to be in our lives and to make his home there. But it's going to have to start with letting him sit on the throne of your heart and be Lord of your life. You're going to have to consciously say, no, Lord, I'm not going to hide anything from you. There's not going to be these closed doors that you can't go in, these boxes you can't open. You have to say, no, Lord, I'm going to let you have all of me. I'm going to let you be Lord. So John Mark McMillan's song, I can't remember exactly, but he's like, come, go around my house. I'm take, you have all of it. Everything that's, mo- that's mine, it's yours. I can't remember the name of the song. I'm so sorry. Maybe Cody Hoffman knows. I probably didn't do justice. We'll find it later. Don't worry. But there's going to be moments where we're going to need to, we're going to maybe not feel it. Maybe our feelings aren't quite there, but we're going to need to sing to God. We're going to need to worship him when we don't want to. When life seems to say, not now, that might be the time to abide with God. Say, no, I'm going to spend time with him because I need my Lord in my life. Jesus said this in John 17, verse 12 through 18. While I was with them, this is actually a prayer that he's praying for his disciples. John 17. If you haven't read it, go read it. But this is, this is just a, a, a part of it. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, 
that they may have that they they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by their truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. The world hated Jesus, and they killed him for it. I can't remember exactly the quote. If you listen to Revival Hymn on uh, YouTube, it's a, it's a sermon compilation. But I just remember this part of Leonard Ravenhill saying, I can't do his voice. But he's like, if the world can't get along with the... I can't remember. The holiest man of all, how come they can't get along with you? I can't do it. But basically, it's like, it's actually a gut punch because he's like, how come they, they, they couldn't get along with him and they killed him? Then why could they get along with you? It's like, ooh, dang it. All right, there's this, there was a woman um, that I just, I've heard about, but I've never read anything by her. Okay, Madame Guillon. Have any of y'all heard of her? Okay, some of you have. This woman is incredible. I didn't, I never read anything by her. I never researched anything about her, but I did. Uh, she's kind of like late 1600s, early 1700s. If you get a chance to read about her, she was awesome. She was in prison for her beliefs that were at odds with the Catholic Church at the time. And it was this controversial thought. She believed that one should pray at all times, and that one should devote all of one's time to God. She wrote this. Prayer is the key of perfection and of sovereign happiness. It is the Efficacious means of getting rid of all vices and of acquiring all virtues. For the way to become perfect is to live in the presence of God. He tells us this himself, walk before me and be blameless, Genesis 17.1. Prayer alone can bring you into his presence and keep you there continually. She believed prayer was important, that we could pray. It's pretty similar to Brother Lawrence in practice, practice of the presence of God. I think I can get behind that. Prayer is important. But she was ended up in prison for her beliefs, in prison for the fact that she wasn't going along with the status quo of the time. And she wrote this song while she was in prison. I don't have a slide for it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it with you if you don't mind. It says this, A little bird am I, shut from the fields of air. And in my cage I sit and sing to him who placed me there. Well pleased a prisoner to be, because my God it pleaseth thee. Not have I else to do, I sing the whole day long. And he whom most I love to please doth listen to my song. He caught and bound my wandering wing, but still he bends to hear me sing. Thou hast an ear to hear, a heart to love and bless. And though my notes were ever so rude, thou wouldst not hear the less. Because thou knowest, as they fall, that same sweet love inspires them all. My cage confines me round, abroad I cannot fly. But though my wing is closely bound, my heart's at liberty. My prison walls cannot control the flight, the freedom of the soul. Oh, it is good to soar these bolts and bars above to him whose purpose I adore, whose providence I love, and in thy mighty will to find the joy, the freedom of the mind. She was in prison for something she, I don't think was wrong, but she still gave worship to God. And it's this kind of a song that, that Paul and Silas are singing. Lord, I, as long as you're pleased with me, 
It doesn't matter. And these, she's not alone in the group of people in prison for the devotion to Jesus. Watchman Nee, who helped start the underground Chinese church, like it's huge. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote this wonderful book called Life Together on, on Christian community, on Paul. Thankfully, these people continue to be faithful to God in spite of the circumstances around them. They wrote while they were in prison and said, I'm not going to stop serving God, even though my circumstances seem to not allow me. They were grateful to God no matter what. They were grateful to God no matter what. They clung close to who God was. At the very beginning, I said I'd come back to a message that gets out here in Philippi. If you remember, it seemed like the, the people beat Paul and Silas as if to send the message, like, don't come here, don't change the things we, we don't want changed. But let me read Acts 16 again, starting in verse 35. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. And so the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the, minist- the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. And then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. And so they went out of the prison, entered the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. The message that I think is here is these officers, these magistrates, beat these guys as if to say, don't come back here. Don't mess up our business. But then it ends up coming out after these men have been beaten and locked up. Wait, no, we're Romans. We're Roman citizens, but even more than that, we're part of the kingdom of God. And they're able to leave the prison in front of everybody and then go to the house of Lydia and encourage these people that were probably scared. Probably like, man, these guys are about to die. And instead, they show up to the house and they encourage them before leaving. It's incredible. This is Lydia, the first... European convert and her family, now the jailer and his family are part of this. This was the start of the church in Philippi. This was the start of something that was going to be beautiful. Paul later wrote a, a letter to them, to the church in Philippi, the Philippians. And let me read this part, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. What Paul and Silas did by being faithful to God led to the church there in Philippi being the church that it became, that the people there, like, this is one of the, this is like the best church, I guess. Paul ends up writing letters to all of them, and this is like the one he didn't rebuke. And if you go back and read it, it's full of the joy of God. Like, they're the ones known for having joy and supporting the missionaries. And like, I'm like if there's a church that you want to follow, I think it's Philip, the Philippian church. I don't know. But it started here. Because these men didn't allow their circumstances to dictate how they worship God. They said, no, we're going to worship him no matter what. And I'm sure some of those prisoners ended up seeing that and were inspired as well. But the jailer and his family and Lydia and her family, they're now left encouraged seeing, 
look what God can do. Even when he takes people and, or people get taken to prison, they can come out of it better men. Now what would happen here at Sam Houston if we would be faithful to God to serve him regardless of the circumstances around us? Worship, you can come back up here. What would happen if we continue to be faithful to God no matter what the circumstances around us were? Now the only way we're going to know is how we'll respond in a moment. Right now, I could say, like Peter, the apostle, yes, Lord, I'll go with you to the very end, even death. But then he ended up denying Jesus instead. But thankfully, that wasn't the end for him. And he was able to come back to God and continue to serve him. There might need, we might need to take some steps in our lives. We may not be there yet where, I'm like, where you're like, I could worship God no matter what, even if I was beaten and thrown in jail. But tonight, as we're worshiping, as we're praying, think of this campus and the students that are now com- that are coming here, these little brothers and sisters that are coming. What would happen if they see us worship God and be faithful to him, even when our circumstance- circumstances don't go the way we want them to? What would it speak to them and the testimony of God, of who our God is, if we could worship him, even when the worst things happen, the car breaks down, I don't know, professor says something he shouldn't I don't know (laughs) but what would happen if we worship God even when our circumstances around us were awful it would be powerful now tonight as we're worshiping if we will invite Jesus into our lives to have the place that he deserves the throne of our hearts and allow him to rule and reign over us daily then he's going to continue to complete a good work in you just as Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1 again I said this twice now but gratefulness Gratefulness will keep us close to God. But ungratefulness is the first step away from him. Now again, maybe you, don't, you know you wouldn't sing praises to him if you were put in a bad spot. But you can be honest with him. He'd rather you be honest. Ask him to help you grow in your intimacy with him. Maybe you have some ungratefulness in your life that you've been harboring. And you need to repent. You need to tell God I'm sorry. Or maybe you just need to take simple steps to be grateful in our lives going through things one by one. God, thank you for this person in my life. Thank you for my small group leader. Thank you for my company leader. Thank you for these guys or these girls in my small group. Thank you for my family. Even if they're not perfect, thank you, Jesus, they loved me. And going through, and even the simple things, thank you, Jesus, for AC. Oh, man. (laughs) But we could go through some, some things in our lives and pray and thank God and give thanks to him. If we can have gratefulness, be the overflow of our hearts toward God. It will speak to the people around us. It'll change us, this individually, this community, and it will change Sam Houston. We can have fellowship with God the way Paul and Silas did and Madame Guion did and sing this heart song of praise to him, even in the hardest of moments. But tonight, let's pray, let's worship him and ask him to meet us here and show us how we can grow. Sound good? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for for my brothers and sisters in this room. Holy Spirit, we ask you're invited here. You are welcome in this place, Lord. Would you speak to us, Lord? Would you begin to bring things to light for us, God? Things that maybe we we haven't said thank you for, Lord. We've just been complaining about it over and over again. And we need to say sorry. We love you, Jesus. I thank you, God, for who you are. I thank you for this wonderful community. I thank you for Sam Houston all that you're going to do here. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
Let's pray. You're welcome to come and find a place if you'd like to. You can stay at your seats, whatever you'd like. But thank you.